0: This is the Thoughts From a Page podcast, which is a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each episode I interview authors about their latest works and others in the book world about their jobs, what those jobs entail, and the books that they love. For more book recommendations, check out my earlier episodes and my website, thoughtsfromapage.com, and follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Thoughts From a Page. Today, I am doing something a little different. I joined Diana and Michelle on their podcast, Wine, Women, and Words, for a joint episode. We talk all things podcasts, we talk books, and then we spend some time talking about Diana's new book, Antoinette's Sister, about Charlotte, the queen of the two Naples. I hope you enjoy our conversation.
1: Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: All right. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Wine, Women, and Words. I am Michelle and with me, of course, is Diana. Hello. And we are doing a first here at Wine, Women, and Words. We're doing a podcast crossover. And we have Cindy Burnett with us from Thoughts from a Page. And we're so excited to have you. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: I'm so excited to be here as well. This is really fun to do a joint episode together.
2: And this is this is our very, very first podcast crossover episode. I was thinking about it this morning. It's so cool. It's
0: only my second, so it's really fun to collaborate together.
1: Well, I like I, the collaboration, especially once we get up the hang of, okay, who's doing what and how are we doing it? <laughs> I feel like we are so very just. You're probably like, oh my God, these people are so unprofessional because
2: we're so laid back.
0: No, that's good. I could use more laid back. So it's helpful for me.
2: Oh, good. We do what we can to help.
0: Well, I appreciate that. I'm pretty type A. So anytime anybody else is laid back, I always hope it'll rub off on me.
2: Well, I can well, hang show around you. me more.
1: Hang around me more. I will help you so much with that.
2: <laughs> if my video wasn't rudely kicking me off and freezing me every five seconds, I could show you what my journal looks like, like my bullet journal. In every other aspect, I am very much like type A, very scheduled. But here it's like, yeah, let's just talk about books and see what happens. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and books always provide so much to talk about.
2: Yes. Endless uh, possibilities of conversation. So I think for... The kickoff here, we talked before before we hit record about telling a little bit about our podcasts and, and how we got started. So would you like to kick off that conversation about thoughts from a page? Sure,
0: absolutely. So I started during the pandemic, June of 2020, and I just interview authors a couple times a week. A lot of times it is books that I've already read and loved or books that sound good to me. I've almost always read the book when I talk with the author. And I've also recently added in other people, some people in the publishing world, a cover designer who actually designed Diana's book and publicist, and I'm working on an editor right now. So just kind of covering all aspects of the book world. What about you guys? What does your schedule look like?
1: Uh, We have a tendency, we'll do two episodes kind of back-to-back normally, but we'll do a couple authors a week, and we do primarily authors, uh, we also have audiobook narrators uh, that come on the show. I loved your idea about getting a book designer on there, because it's something that we always wonder about, and we're still working on getting my book designer, you were able to get her, um, <laughs> but we're going to, at some point this year, have her on our show as well
0: she's delightful. And I just think it's such a small world because I had her lined up. And when I was looking through her books by, I think it's like book covers by OJ or whatever, her uh, Instagram account, I saw your book and I laughed. I'm like, we had just scheduled this conversation and I'm like, oh, she's your cover designer.
2: Well, I was browsing through um, your the, some of the articles that you've written and I noticed your top five books for each month. I think going back a whole year, you have at least one book that we've interviewed every month.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Okay, that's fun. So I knew there'd be some crossover.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think especially
1: when you love books and you love interviewing authors, there's going to be that crossover. And I mean, I feel like that's how Michelle and I became friends was just, you know, besides the fact that we were both Italian, that was like the initial (laughs) barrier. But then there was also the, hey, you love books. I love books too and there's like this instant
0: bond that's just formed because of books i agree completely how do you guys decide who you're going to interview
2: <laughs> it's basically well it's actually now it's a good combination of authors or publicists reaching out to us and telling us about books and it's also us finding books going oh my gosh this sounds amazing we need to interview the author because i think one of the things that i love most about this podcast and what, I mean, it's our very first few episodes were just us not knowing what we were doing at all. (laughs) And it's, I'm very proud of us, how much we've grown and what it's turned into. But in addition to the little writing workshops that it turns into, because we get to pick authors' brains about writing and, you know, outlining some, not my words are escaping me right now. But it's just so much fun to obsess over a story and love it so much, and then have the opportunity to ask the questions that you sometimes, you know, you may never get to ask authors like, why would you kill off that character? (laughs) Or how did you think of that plot twist? That was epic. And it's just a lot of fun.
1: You could always tell where we are in our writing process because we're both writers, where we are. Like, if I'm stuck on something with a book and I've got, this author coming on whose book dealt with that, I'd be like, okay, how did you do this? (laughs) Or I'm thinking about something for another book or anything that they, you know, that comes across that I'm going to also do. It's like, okay, can we talk specifically how you did that? Uh, So it's as much educational for me as it is hopefully for a listener.
0: Well, that's always the interesting part to me because I'm not a writer. So I always kind of want to know about some of the other aspects of the story, but I bet as writers, you definitely are trying to pick other authors' brains.
2: Oh, Oh, one hundred percent, like shameless, absolutely, <laughs> shameless. like well, tell us
0: there. So why not? <laughs>
2: exactly. Like, hopefully, it's yeah, just as interesting for people to listen to as it is for us, as we're you know taking notes as we're asking our questions. Um, but what has been For you, you said you started in 2020. As you've evolved your show, what's been one of the most surprising aspects of running a podcast and the opportunity to talk to so many different authors?
0: Well, I think the initial surprise was how much time a podcast takes. You know, it's unbelievable, even though I did research ahead and kind of laid everything out just day to day, there's just a lot involved with it. Um, So that was kind of my initial takeaway. But also, um, how many books are coming out? Even though I've worked at a bookstore and I write columns and I do all of this stuff, I still just get pitched and pitched and pitched. And I wish I could fit every single person in, but there's no way. But it's just amazing to me how many books come out every week.
2: It never ends. I mean, truly.
1: (laughs) I remember Michelle and I, we, we met working in a travel agency And I remember way back in the day, we were like, wouldn't it be lovely to have a job someday where we just get paid to read books? Because not going to lie, we barely worked and we read books (sighs) all day long. And we just, I, I feel like the podcast kind of helps with that. I mean, it's not like it's a moneymaker because I feel like podcasts are very much a work of love in general. I think it's very rare for a podcast to actually be your financial saving grace, but at the same time, it's, we very much, we love it. And it does kind of feel like we're getting paid to read books too, in some way, because you get so many books from like the publicists and things of that nature. So I have an overflowing to be read shelf. And I want to say at least half of those books are books that were sent to me by publicists.
0: And it's, it's lovely. Well, that's been one of the things I've actually liked so much about it is I've learned about so many books I don't think I would have ever known about if they hadn't been pitched to me. Mm -hmm. So I do feel like that is definitely one of the upsides that that even though was already doing all this other book related stuff, I feel like this has really opened up a lot more doors.
2: Oh, definitely. Especially, you know, you can get so comfortable in your genre of, of choice. You know, we all have our genres that are like our cozy little happy place and it's very easy there's so there's so many amazing books coming out like you said every week or books that you're just discovering for the first time even though they've been out for months or years but this has been such a great opportunity to branch out and read books and meet authors and learn from from writing that you know otherwise i may have never even thought to look into so that's definitely been a lot of fun and it, it's pushed my my comfort zone for for reading.
0: How did you guys get started and when? So we got started God,
2: we're
1: like what six years old now? Five years old? Five years?
2: Yeah, we're entering or we're, we're going to be entering our sixth year. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I had no idea.
0: Congratulations. That's really awesome.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Michelle was doing something for um oh, I want to say her graduate degree. And she was like, hey I'm going to do a pod we're going to do a podcast it wasn't I'm going to do a podcast it was we're going to do a podcast <laughs> and it's going to be called wine women and words and it's going to be great and I was like I have no idea how to do a podcast and her response to me was I don't either this is going to be fun <laughs> hence the podcast was born we spent the first what was it, the first few months just talking about books, not having authors on or anything. And then we started having, you know, we had, it was like a book club kind of thing that we started doing and it was, and then we started having the authors come on and then more authors came on and it's just been just a really fun process. It is so much fun. I think.
2: Have there been any authors for you where you're like, I can't believe I'm talking to you right now.
0: <laughs> One of the ones that I loved was the Broadway star Toba I'd seen her on Broadway a couple of times and she was in The Walking Dead, that TV show that I actually never watched, but, and she had a memoir about her mom. And so I was really excited to talk to her. I was super nervous. And then the funniest part was, you know, you send out these instructions, or at least I do. She had so much going on in the background. Her publicist was also on and he kept having to be like, Tova, you've got to calm everything down. So that kind of got me (laughs) a lot calmer because I was like, what is happening at her house? So it was pretty funny. But how about you guys?
2: Oh gosh. Well, I think Kate Quinn, the first we've had we've been lucky enough to have Kate Quinn on the show twice. And I think both times. <laughs> and both times <laughs> on the calendar, we just have the queen. <laughs>
0: oh, that's cute. <laughs> She's great. She is.
1: There's been so many over the years. That there, it's like, what's our life? How did we get? It?
2: <laughs> I I stuttered terribly over Stephanie Dre when we were yeah. talking. And I've noticed I talk very, very fast and very, a lot (laughs) when I get (laughs) nervous. And when I catch myself doing that, it's like, okay, reel it in, calm down. (laughs) Take big breaths. Your brain needs oxygen to form words.
1: (laughs) I've noticed that too. When I, when I get really excited about something, I forget to take a breath and I just keep talking and I'm like, wait, I I should stop so I can take a breath, but I want to keep talking. I've noticed that about myself.
2: Sound over caffeinated, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> As How I drink
2: you? my twenty-four ounce cup of coffee, it's fine. It's fine.
0: <laughs> okay, gotta get you going. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thrilled to pieces to be here to talk about Diana's book because I absolutely loved it—from the stunning cover to everything inside. It was just so good.
1: Oh, thank you. I, I love hearing that, um, and it's so humbling to to hear that. I mean, you you put this book out in the world, and this book was it was my pandemic baby early to put it bluntly um when everything was going on out the world was like burning down in 2020 and even like early 2021 I just shut myself off in this room and kept the news to a minimum and I had my soundtrack and I just wrote I finished the draft a very unfortunately rough draft that I sent to my editor by august um right before my first book launched, so from like March of 2020 like I started the book quite literally just before lockdown and I finished by the first part of August and that was like a marathon for me to get this this draft out and then from this the holidays when everybody was like oh we can't sit be with our families on the holidays in 2020 when everybody was like freaked out about that I was kind of like you know what this is kind of a thing i think because i had my big edits uh that i had to work on from and that started in like i want to say November and i had to turn it in by january in like mid-january so i was like all right zoom uh thanksgiving this is great be with the family for about an hour or two and back to work and it was kind of nice unfortunately <laughs> to be able to say that but but then to see the everybody's reaction the story been
0: surreal had you structured it the way it's currently structured when you started with the letters yeah. kind of interwoven
1: yeah and it was kind of I don't want to give out any spoilers
0: um but for those of you who have
1: read it it's kind of it was kind of like one of those goosebump things where I'm sorry I was reading the um my initial biography that I was reading and I was like wow letters are really a thing for Maria Carolina Charlotte And she seemed very attached to her her letters. And she had all these letters from her family that I really wanted to interweave through the story. And like, like, I remember even talking with my agent about it. And she's like, I don't want to do a full one of those full like letter novels. And I hate say I don't say the word because I can never say it right. And I was like, no, I don't want to do one of those either. But I want to do something where the letters are involved. And I was like, let me just send you my first two chapters and you'll see what I'm talking about. But for those of you who have read the book all the way, it wasn't until I found out about the way she passed away that that scene was actually how she had passed away. And the letters were still very important. And I was like, oh, that's goosebumps. I was like, the letters are definitely, definitely have to be involved."
0: Well, and it would be hard to make it an epistolary book because you have her regular. letters. And, you know, I don't know how you would have translated you writing letters, using her letters. You know what I mean? That would be difficult. Yeah. And I struggle with that word too. But as long as I say it in my head about three times ahead, I, usually <laughs> and I, def-
2: I, did. I definitely <laughs> just looked it up and muted myself so I could have Google pronounce it for me because I would not have pronounced it correctly.
1: I can never pronounce it correctly, even if I put this in my
2: head five times. <laughs> I just
1: don't say it. <laughs>
2: It's a novel work. of letters that yes, works there you go
1: that works completely and plus you would miss out on all the fun antics of Ferdinand and that port and her throwing books at people you, you you'd miss out on that a novel that's like
0: all letters absolutely and her crazy husband I know he's so fun though he is fun to read about. I don't know that I would have wanted to have been married Fair to him.
2: Fair point. <laughs> yeah, no.
1: no, not at all. But I kind of, by the end, I I, I started to love the character and love writing him and love being able to put him into the scene and create this character from him. Because the one of the things I've been talking about with events and we've talked about on the podcast, too, is that none of that stuff that he did, none of it was made up. He did all of those things. He was pulling wigs off of people's heads, playing chess with the old men. Ferdinand and Napoli was actually a thing that he wanted. So he did have a love for the people. And, But yeah, at the same time, he was so incredibly immature.
0: He absolutely was. <laughs> but he was fun <laughs> to read about. <laughs> Though, like I said, I'm not sure I could have tolerated him day to day.
1: <laughs> oh Yeah, it's it was. So when I was researching I was working at edits for the woman in red and while I was in the midst of that my editor was like I want to know more about this kingdom of the two Sicilies because it's not something that's readily talked about in most history books and so I was like all right I'm, I'm gonna go do this deep dive into this this story and of course everything about Ferdinand comes up. all this stuff that's the initial thing that you that you read about and you hear about and I was like oh my god who who was the woman married to him like I, I immediately felt the sympathy for whoever his wife was because you knew he had to have a wife because he was a king. And that's when I came across Maria Carolina Charlotte and all of these things that she did and how she kind of took over the kingdom from him, all of that. And I was just enraptured and I just was so taken by her.
0: Well, and the timing is good because I think everybody is wanting stories about women they don't know right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like also, That time period is starting to also trend with the zeitgeist, which is interesting because like Bridgerton had come out, I think after my first draft, it came out. The Great came out when I was writing the first draft of this. And then, so you're starting to see more of that. There's an Antoinette television series going on in Europe. I want to say it's England or France that they're doing one. I can't remember which country it is that's doing it. So it kind of like it feels like it's the timing is right for the book, which is incredibly lucky on my part.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell me about the cover, like what that process was like on your side, because I always love to hear about how those things come about. And I've heard about it on Olga's side, but I would love to hear about it from you.
1: So it was interesting for me because uh, they sent me um, a PDF document of approximately, I want to say about nine books nine different covers and this one was the first one and there was the same the same one but in white with a white background and I had looked at it and then I had a discussion with my agent about it and we're like this is the first one this is this this one here is the one that I want it was like the very first one in that series of uh, covers and because what stood out to me was that that gold embossing on there which It wasn't until later that they said that they were going to add the golden blossom to the hardcover. And it was you know just the flowers on there and then her face and the feather, which is lovely because in historical fiction, we've got that trend of everybody facing away from the camera. Uh, The Woman in Red had it. So many books have that now. And it was just so different. And it was funny, in the words of my agent, this cover she thought was sexy. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, yeah, it is. And so that's basically how you know I got to pick the covers, and this is the one that just stood out the most. Well,
0: you beat me a little bit to the next thing I was going to mention, which was the cover trends of mm-hmm. all of these women facing away and kind of muted pastel colors for mm-hmm. historical fiction. And I am so weary of that, and I think a lot of readers are. Well, I mean, I think it's nice to kind of go outside that a little bit. So as soon as I saw yours, bright, vivid. Looking at the camera, I thought it's wonderful. I don't know about you two, but it's nice to have different covers sometimes. I think
1: it is. It feels like uh, Stephanie Dre had actually talked about this a long time ago that there was a
0: marketing reason behind it. I don't know if you've heard that same theory. Well, Olga said that even when she was on my podcast, with that it's that it's marketing and selling, and the publishers once they kind of find a niche and a way things look, they want to keep it that way. But to me, it's sort of backwards.
1: Yeah, like it's like you can have that kind of that feeling for like a little bit. But then it's been how many years now? It's been well over the years where you've had those same covers. It's like, OK, now it's getting old. Now you need something fresh. I love the fact that we were able to like pull away from that. And I think what Olga did help, pull, help me pull away from that. Yeah, the the marketing side of it, like that muted pastels, apparently women gravitate towards that, I guess. Then there's also the fact that what I heard was that women judge other women based on their faces. And that's why they don't show the faces, because we'll judge the face and judge the book by the cover. And so that's why they'll either lob off the head, like you see, like with Stephanie Dre and Laura Kamoy's books, they'll, they'll lob off the head. Very Marie Marie Antoinette of them. Bloomsbury girls, that same same thing where it's like right at their shoulders Um, or they have them turning away from the camera. And that's kind of it's also it's kind of sexist in a way when you think about it.
0: And I think the other thing that has been mentioned is that they don't want to put a face to a character so that as you're the reader, you want to kind of come up with it on your own. You want to conjure what that person's going to look like. And envision it yourself. And if you see them on the cover, that already gives you that picture. I don't know. Yeah. That's another thing I've heard as well. But it's just a fascinating topic to me. I'm always so interested in covers.
1: Yeah. And I feel like with Maria Carolina, I'm very specific in the fact that she
0: looked a lot like her sister. If
1: you look at pictures of her and Marie Antoinette, they looked like twins. They were, was it two to three years apart? And they were they were raised as twins. And where Marie Antoinette's hair got lighter. Maria Carolina's hair got darker. And even in her later life, after Marie Antoinette's death, there were people who were very close to Marie Antoinette that came to Naples to escape the French Revolution. And the nobles that were close to Marie Antoinette that saw uh, Marie uh, Carolina, they were, uh, there was one woman who actually fainted because they looked so much alike. So, like, and that's a whole roundabout way of getting to the fact that. You know, my character already, she already has that face in preparation. You already have that template,
0: So I kind of feel like you can
1: show her face at least
2: a little
0: Absolutely. And Michelle, I'm sure you have some questions. I don't want to be the only one asking all of the questions.
2: <laughs> oh, no, I actually realized that I hadn't Googled pictures of Maria Carolee and Charlotte. So I was just looking up. <laughs> I, I found a portrait of her And Marie Antoinette, when they were younger, I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's uh, the one I was talking about.
2: Where they, I mean, of course, you have to always kind of allow for, um, you know, the artist's uh, embellishments or, you know, flair. But they could be twins. It's Mm -hmm. a a little freaky.
0: (laughs) Well, and I guess early on, Charlotte was almost married to the Dauphin, right? I never say that word right, but.
1: Yeah, that was interesting, where if things had progressed the way that they, you know, if her sisters had lived, they would have been married off into Naples. But she was one of the ones where she was going to be put forward for the, the French uh, Dauphin. And that would have been so interesting. That was one of the other reasons why I wanted to have these letters between Antoinette and Maria Carolina, because the same things were happening in each of the countries. And, you know, we talk about research rabbit holes and weird rabbit holes. That was one of the weird rabbit holes I went down. I went into, got into this chat room and it was this really weird alternate history chat room. And they were talking about what would have happened if Maria Carolina was the Queen of France, if the revolution would actually happen, if she would even have allowed herself to, to be taken. Because there were so many times where then that was one of the things that surprised me when researching this. She could have gone at least with her daughter or at least, you know, leaving behind some of the family. She could have escaped on her own or with one of her children. And she didn't. And I feel like Maria Carolina would absolutely do that. She would go straight to Austria and or somewhere very early on. And put the revolution down she would get other armies in I mean, she did that multiple times and threatened that multiple times for her own kingdom so I feel like history would have been much different for France if she was
0: I think that's right and I'm always amazed at how powerful that entire family was mm-hmm. you know their mother and how well she orchestrated everything across Europe and really kind of tried to keep a hand in everything
1: it is and it's I, I love I've come to a new, a new appreciation of the Habsburg family because of that Especially because she was this, as I've been saying, she's the OG helicopter mom. <laughs> she wanted to know everything about her children, um, from the way they, what they did on a daily basis to the Manx, to the forces, uh, because they were just extensions of her own kingdom. And I feel like Maria, uh, Maria Theresa, so many Maries, oh my god, but she, she was, she doesn't get the credit. That she's due. We talk about Victoria having eight kids. I mean, come on. She's got to live up to Maria Teresa because she had like 16. Come on now. And then you've got Catherine the Great that was happening just at the same time as Maria Teresa. And she just doesn't, she gets overshadowed by history. And that's another woman I feel like we really need to, to look at.
0: I was just going to say that needs to be your next book.
1: I, you know, that thought has crossed my mind. Uh, that is one where I'm like, you know, maybe, just maybe that could be a fun one to do. And just the bourbon and the Habsburgs could just be just a fascinating story. Because there's so much more within that world of Maria Carolina. The There's a whole Parthenon Republic that happens out of the Kingdom of the Two Sicilies that I don't even touch on in the book. So I'm like, there's so much more that I could just go into
0: this. What about a writing schedule? Diana, do you stick to a standard schedule? Do you just alter it up? Do you just write when you, it comes to you? How does that work for you?
1: I have mostly have a schedule. Um, in the mornings I'll do some emails and writing and I'll do that until about noon. Um, my husband works nights. So I'll take a break for lunch, have a couple hours or to do some errands, run, you know, housework and have lunch with him. And then around dinner time or so, I'll uh, ease back into writing, and I'll write. I'm a night owl. I'm not one of these five a.m. morning people like Michelle with the writing. I'm the kind of person who's very comfortable staying up until like one, maybe two in the morning, if if it so happens the muse is like pushing for that, and I'll write until then, and before I get up. Like I'll even like. For events, some there's been some East Coast events that have been like, "Hey, can we do something at like 10 a.m. East Coast time?" And I'm like, "No, absolutely not." If you want me coherent with a cup of coffee, it has to be at least at 9 a.m. And you guys heard me at the very beginning of this episode; I was still stumbling over my words, and I was only <laughs> I was already a, cu- a cup of coffee in. I have to have that time period to wake up.
2: So, that Cindy, are are you a night reader, a day reader? Cause I can't read. If I sit down at night to read, I'm, I'm asleep within the first chapter. I cannot read at night to save my life.
0: I kind of split it up. I usually have an audiobook going that I do when I exercise, like when I walk or ride the bike or whatever. And then I read on my iPad, like NetGalley Galley stuff at night, but it takes me a lot longer to get through it because yeah, some nights I can read for 10 minutes. Some nights I can read for an hour. Sometimes it's like one minute and I'm asleep. And then I read <laughs> a physical copy. So it just kind of varies. So during the day I read the physical copies. I just really actually everybody laughs at me because I have a book with me wherever I go, and I just grab it and read whenever I can. How about you, Michelle?
2: I'm another audiobook person. I can I love audiobooks. I don't know how I've made it this far in my life without reading audio or listening to audiobooks, even though my husband always goes, that doesn't count. you can't say you read the book because someone read it to you I'm like uh, it still counts it still sir counts. it one hundred percent counts.
0: I laugh when people say that. No offense to your husband in this. But I see that on Instagram a lot that people are arguing about that. And I'm like, what difference does it make? You've gotten through the book, however you did it.
2: You are absorbing the novel. It is coming into your brain, whether it's coming in through your eyes or your ears.
0: (laughs) Exactly.
1: And it's interesting because my dad had that argument, too, for the longest time. And we would argue about it because we wouldn't even pick up audiobooks. And I went and found this research. And I, I gave it to him. This is how my family is. I'm like, hey, here's this research. And so, you know, reading by a physical book is actually the strongest way to, for you to take, intake information. However, you retain more information through audiobooks than you do ebooks. Hmm. And there was this, they did this study um, with college students and the lectures. They would do the these lectures and they would do and I want to say this that it was like the same lecture given to you know these different groups of students and the ones who did ebook versus audio retain more through audio, which was just I think is so fascinating. Um especially for somebody like me. Like I love audiobooks, but I have a slight learning disability where I don't retain everything that I hear. So sometimes like you could tell me, like Cindy, you could tell me your birthday and I will forget it. like, And I don't like intend to forget it, but like, I just, it won't click in my head until, unless you tell it to me multiple, multiple times, then it'll click and I will never forget it. And I feel like that's kind of what helps happens with me with this random information I get for history where it's like, I read, if I read something, I retain it 100% and I have, i almost have that, like, what's that memory that like, memory where you can see something and that
0: photographic
1: memory yes thank you i almost have that in some in some regards but if you i listen to something sometimes it just doesn't click. however when i'm listening to an audiobook i do when there's a story going through i can actually uh, take in a lot more with the audiobook
0: i have found that i can do nonfiction really well in audiobook but sometimes fiction, my mind wanders. So most of the time do nonfiction when I do audiobook. I just have a hard time paying attention, I guess, on the fiction. I'm not sure what happens.
2: Hmm. I think yeah, I... that's weird. I'm the opposite. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Isn't that funny? Yeah.
2: I just love that it's so hard for me to sit down and read sometimes because there's so much going on in my day where, you know, with you know, laundry, what the kids, the dog, cats, whatever. Where, if I sit down, I may only get you know five minutes, or I'll sit down and go, "Oh, I should really be doing this or cleaning that or whatever." But audiobooks, I can just take it with me, and I can do whatever I need to do. And that way it's you know, the house wins, and I win.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just find that I get interrupted a lot by the cat and the no, no cat. I don't know why I said that, by the dog, by the kids, <laughs> by my husband, and so I'm constantly having to hit pause.
2: Mm-hmm. but oh, I agree yeah. with
0: you. You can get through a lot more that way.
2: Yeah. I, if anyone is home, I don't listen to the audiobooks as much, but it's during the day when the kids are at school, uh, I'll have, sometimes I'll have the audiobook going all day where all of a sudden it's like, Oh, it's done. And I need another book. I can't walk the dog until I have a book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so fun though. Mm-hmm. And I love the
1: um the thing that you started to do where you were holding laundry while
2: oh, you were me. listening to the audio book. Like, it's my laundry oh. therapy. Yeah.
0: And yeah. dishwasher. You know, it's the same way. It makes those things go by a lot faster.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, dishwasher. That's the chore that I hate most in this world. Me
1: too. <laughs> you know, mine is folding laundry. I, I have no problems. You know, I used to hate doing the dishes when I was a
2: kid. I used to have no
1: problems doing it. I love waking up to a very clean kitchen, like clean sink and all of that. That brings me joy. But laundry, I, I blame this on years working Main Street at Disneyland. I hate folding laundry. It's awful. But it's <laughs> the audiobooks that help me get through that. That's Michelle started doing that. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to try this. And I was like, oh, hey. I can get the job done much faster when I'm listening to an audiobook.
0: <laughs> and you can get through a lot more books. I that's mean, that's true. the other thing that it's really helped me kind of pick up my reading to be able to do the audiobook component as
2: well. Oh, 100%. Especially, Especially. for the for the podcast because I, was I say the same thing. <laughs> I try very hard to like like you, I try very hard to read the books before we have the authors on and I my goal is At least a quarter or a third of the way through. And Diane and I take turns reading. Otherwise, we we couldn't do it. (laughs) But at least a quarter or a third of the way through. Because I like having a more in-depth discussion about the writing specifically and the plot and the characters versus, you know, skimming the surface. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You know, that's just my preferred approach to doing interviews. And and I don't mind not, I'm sorry, I, I don't mind not finishing it before we interview them because we typically don't do spoilers unless it's the book of the month episode. So I don't have to know how it ended because we're not diving into it yet.
0: <laughs> no, that's, that's exactly right. I just like to have read the book because I feel like I don't know exactly what I'd be talking about if I hadn't read the book, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, there's a standard set of questions, but still, you know, it's easier when I can say I've actually, I know what Ferdinand was up to and I know what was happening there and all of that.
1: And I feel like there's so much more work you have to do. If you haven't read the book where you've got to go and hunt down what's going on, like on their website, listen to like other interviews with them. uh, That sort of thing that kind of makes things, it throws you off a little. Especially if you ask the wrong question. um, for an interview, Like, um, no, that's not quite how that happened. I don't know what book you're talking about.
0: <laughs> well, that's why when Michelle talks about knowing the ending, I think I gotta have to get through the ending so I don't step in it by accident. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I make sure everyone haven't quite finished it yet. So I don't know if this changes, but.
1: Well, I also sometimes if it's not a book of the month, and we're just doing a one episode with somebody, kind of don't want to do the ending because. I'm terrible because I'll accidentally give a spoiler without <laughs> intending to give a spoiler. I've done that once. You remember that one? Um, yes,
2: so. I do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know specifically the one where I said it, and I was like,
2: "Oh shit!" But <laughs> <laughs> it did? It, it was never said. We never said it.
0: Yeah, that's the beauty of editing. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And we also do
1: uh, spoiler alerts on the show itself, so on audio. Now we do that so that when it People see it; they're like, "Okay, there's a spoiler here." So you can't get mad at us if you get mad about a spoiler because we've warned you. Exactly. And if you know, when we are prepared for it, we'll say spoilers. And if we're not, you know, when we go back and put it online, we can actually now say,
0: "Hey, there's a spoiler here." Absolutely. And a lot of times, people like to listen after they've read the book,
2: anyway. Right.
1: And interestingly, it's so weird. We have some of our listeners. I don't know who you are out there, but mm-hmm. you, they listen. To even the ones with the spoilers, even the episodes with the spoilers, and they'll go back and they'll read the book, even though there's some spoilers. Oh, really? It's
2: so interesting. I used to be one of those readers who would read the last page of the book before when I first started. Not like the end, just the last, because, you know, typically the last page tends to be like a paragraph long. Not enough to give away the mechanics of the ending. I just liked knowing who was still around. I don't do that anymore, though.
0: It seems like a lot of people do that. I've I have never done that, but it does seem like it's very common.
1: Every now and then, I'll do it, especially if I'm really stressed out about what's happening to a character <laughs> in the book. I need to know if they're going to be
0: alive at the end of the book
1: to see, you know, how much stress I have <laughs> before I start messaging the author, going, "Oh my god, what'd you do to this character?" <laughs> so I sometimes do that just to relieve my own stress, and I can relax while so I'm reading. I do that to myself with TV shows too. I'm I was really bad. Uh, I'll do that with Yellowstone, and I did that with uh, with when I started watching Grey's Anatomy. I'm like I'm I'm a late comer to Grey's Anatomy, but I'm sitting there like googling stuff like okay, what's going to happen to these characters in the next season? Because I can't handle this just watching and waiting for it to happen. I don't know how you did it, Michelle, when you <laughs> that, but I can't do that.
0: Well,
2: that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And so one of the things where I love about with Antoine and Sister Coming that when people have been talking about the book where they're like, hey, this is escapism. And I'm like, yes, because it was the book. What, writing it was escapism for me. So having other people <laughs> read the book and say, hey, this was great escapism. I'm like, yes, you get, this is exactly what I was going through when I was writing the
0: book. And everybody needs escapism right now. Yes. Oh my God, yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting. Some of the books that we choose for, to escape into, because for instance, I'm listening right now to a, like a gothic horror novel and it's like terrifying, but I'm like, yes, let me just relax and listen to this book and fold some laundry. And it's wonderful, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it takes you away to a whole other world. And I think that's probably what the, the best part of it for you is.
2: Right. Yeah. And at least those problems, I will never have to worry about those problems. <laughs>
0: exactly. Let's hope, right? <laughs>
2: please, please let what me never you? have to. What book are you listening to? The Death of Jane Lawrence. Mm, yeah. It's amazing and it's wonderful. And I'm just absolutely loving it. And I'm trying to remember who Caitlin Starling is the author. And I, I the second I saw the cover, going back to our cover conversation. Was just like, oh my gosh, that is a gorgeous cover. I need to read this book, so I'm finally getting around to it.
1: I just finished uh, the last audiobook I finished was Velvet is a Night, and I love that. book. That was such. It was an audio audiobook. Uh, it's by uh, Sylvia Moreno Garcia. She did uh, Mexican Gothic. Oh, okay, yeah, and I just I love that audiobook. It was so good, and uh, that cover is that's another great cover that I love and I feel like you know there's a difference with historical fiction and then there's also the in and, and the audio and the um and the audio I was gonna say audio books, the the mystery genre because velvet as a night you see her face there's glasses on it and there's like smoke coming out of it because she's got a cigarette in her mouth so you have this really interesting um you know, look to her, and it's a very mysterious look that really draws you in as a reader, in my opinion. I and haven't read City. her books,
0: but I've heard really good things about him, but I haven't read them.
1: I, for me, I'm finding that Gothic is too slow for me, but Velvet is a Night was, it was a nice, it was a noir,
0: and I really liked that. So I really, I liked that one a lot more. Enjoyed that better. I Mm -hmm. just was looking up what the name of the book I had just finished. I just finished listening to Where Tomorrows Aren't Promised by Carmelo Anthony, the NBA player. Oh, It was so good. It talked about growing up in Baltimore and how unsafe his neighborhood was and all these different high schools he went to to play basketball and then going um, on to college. It was really, really good. It was quick. I think it was like under five hours. And I always speed mine up, but he talks pretty fast. I couldn't speed it up nearly as much as I normally do, but it was great. I would really recommend it. I haven't done
1: many
2: of the um, speeding up you have you, you've done that too Michelle where you've sped them up oh all the time I've, I'll start at like 1.5 and slowly like work my way up and if I happen to have like playing without headphones in and my mm-hmm. husband hears it he's like how can you even understand what they're saying <laughs> you build like, up.
0: <laughs> yeah, you do build up. And I started this one at 1. 1.5, but I couldn't get past maybe 1.7 because he talks pretty quick. Usually I'll get to like 1.9 or 2, but he was pretty fast. So if it was sped up that fast, it was almost hard to understand him, but it was wow, a really that great is pretty story. Fast. Yeah. yeah.
2: I like, I see it as a challenge where I go like, Oh, I have five hours left. If I do 2.0, I can get it done in two and a half. <laughs>
0: that's exactly what happens to me I'm like
2: game on challenge accepted exactly
1: so what's everybody reading right now
2: oh my goodness well uh, I'm reading this little novel that I don't know if you've heard of it uh, Antoinette's sister oh. yeah really I don't know
1: I've it, all- some good things about that one
2: it's alright you know uh-huh.
0: I hear it's a real gem
2: <laughs> very well researched hmm. <laughs> But in addition to that, am I reading nothing? Well, I'm finishing The Magnolia Palace, Hmm. uh, which we um, we interviewed Fiona Davis last week. So I'm finishing that up right now. And it's beautiful.
0: That's my favorite of hers. I actually interview her tomorrow. I love her. She's one of my favorite authors.
2: Oh, she's so lovely to speak with.
0: Yeah, she's great. And I just loved everything about the Frick Collection and learning about the Frick family Mm -hmm. and everything. That was a really good one.
1: Yeah, so Michelle, reading, you got the I'm book sorry. for that, for the, um to read. And I'm like, oh, I want that book. <laughs> That's one of the books I want to read.
0: I'm reading The Family Chow, and I think it's by Lan Samantha Chang. It's really good. It comes out, I think, in a week or two. And it's about a family in Wisconsin that run a Chinese restaurant, and then the father gets murdered. That happens at the beginning. And you're trying to figure out who did it. It's really good.
1: Interesting. Yeah, okay. I'm reading 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel uh, Garcia Marquez. And that's, you know, one of those classics that you always, you need to, like, sit down and read. Uh, and I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. I haven't gotten yeah, very far into it because with, like, release week and stuff, I haven't done a whole lot of reading.
2: But we'll allow that. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Get but now I'm, like,
0: having time to, like, sit down and, like, read a book. That's a nice feeling.
2: Mm-hmm. It is. I have to schedule, you know, you have to schedule time for yourself, but then, then you have those when you actually have a minute you're like do i read do i take a nap do i watch tv what do i want to do mm-hmm. you just want to just turn your brain off just... yes but and i what's... know oh sorry go ahead
1: oh. oh i thought you were gonna say i was gonna say what i was gonna ask one of the questions was everybody looking forward to reading because i know we've been talking a lot about historical fiction during this episode what's everybody looking forward to you read this year
2: oh gosh i have a list hold on <laughs> <laughs> There's so many books coming out that I'm, especially fantasy. I'm I'm a fantasy girl myself, so I have so many fantasy books that are coming out that I'm like
1: yes.
2: <laughs> but I know
1: I'm looking forward to. I think my top two that I'm looking forward to are Next Ship Home, with uh, from by Heather Webb. Love her, love her books, and Violeta by Isabel Allende.
0: Those are both on my list as well. I think one of mine is Atomic Anna by Rachel Barenbaum. It's mm. about Chernobyl and these three women and they time travel trying to stop Chernobyl. So Ooh. that sounds really good. And then Elise Hooper's Angels of the Pacific. I always love Elise's books. And I actually read Aww. an early edition of that or kind of the manuscript. And then she's made some changes. So I'm excited to read it in final form now.
1: That's on my list too of things I'm I'm looking forward to. I have it on my
0: my e-reader.
1: I got it there in that galley. So I'm looking forward to reading that. Uh, and it was so funny with Next, Next Ship Home. I didn't realize it hadn't come out yet. And I was in New York in September. And we went to Ellis Island and they have a little bookshop. And I was walking through the bookshop trying to see if Next Ship Home was there. <laughs> and I was there. So I was like, that needs to be here. Um, and so I was just, at first, I was disappointed that I wasn't there. And I was like, oh, I should check to see when this book was released.
2: Uh, One of the ones I'm definitely looking forward to is called The Fervor by Alma Katsu. And she does kind of like horror, but historic. I don't know if The Fervor is. Oh, yes, it is. So historic horror. The first book of hers that I read was The Hunger. And it's like the Donner Party. If there was a more sinister slash supernatural reason why they did what they did. And then the next one that I read was the Titanic one, and I'm forgetting what it's called. Really, hold on. The the Deep, which was like a Titanic retelling, and I actually had no idea that the Titanic had a sister ship that was transformed into a um, like hospital ship during the war, called the Brita- that the Queen the, Mary? the Britannic. Oh, the Britannic, and that ship sank also. Uh, it, it hit a torp or it was hit by a torpedo or I think a mine, maybe I forget, but, um, uh, so she did that kind of with supernatural elements also. It was very good. So I'm very, really looking forward to the fervor and so many others. I'm going to, I want to say this book because I'm really excited about it, but I'm very, I know I'm going to not pronounce it properly.
1: Um, say it anyway, Michelle, no judgment here.
2: K-K. it's K-A-I-K-E-Y-I okay. by Vaishnavi Patel. Okay. I'm so looking forward to this book. It sounds amazing. Hmm.
0: That's the one that's based on some myth, right? Like a long time ago, isn't that the one? Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. But I apologize if the author listens to it. I I really hope I got close to the pronunciation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm sure you did
2: but I know we said we usually go for half an hour and I'm pretty sure we've gone for like the full hour now.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: It's just been so much fun talking,
2: but you know, when you start talking about books and you have a bunch of bookworms in, in the room.
0: Well, thanks for letting me join you too. This has been a ton of fun.
2: Absolutely.
0: Not at all. It's good. It's been a lot of fun.
2: <laughs> I hope everyone enjoys the rest of their day. Diana, enjoy your. Morning still, right? Yep, still morning for another hour. And Cindy, you're on the East Coast like me, right?
0: No, I'm in Houston. So I'm in the middle
2: and central. Yeah. Oh. So. oh, so it's kind of, it's, it's midday for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One o'clock. <laughs> I have to get ready to go pick up the kids and let the chaos begin again. <laughs> <laughs> have fun with that. <laughs> thank you. And <laughs> thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of everyone's day. Okay. <laughs> bye. Yes,
0: bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in today to this joint episode of the Thoughts from a Page podcast and Wine, Women, and Words. As always, I appreciate that you spend some time listening to my podcast and thinking about books. I hope you will tune in next time.
2: Are you tired of
1: seeing your teen or young adult Hamster Wheel Podcast.